I'm Danny Stover, and this is Today in TO, a podcast that takes a look at the biggest stories in the city and connects the dots on what's going on. On today's episode, one of my wishes came true, but at the expense of a couple of other wishes. In case you missed it, Toronto finally struck a new deal with the province, so you'll get the breakdown of what's in, what's out, and what's up. Loaded. Plus, is it a gift? A gimmick? Or both? Either way... I'm obsessed. You'll hear from Toronto's only psychic who's also a licensed real estate agent. And do you know where the oldest home in the city is believed to be? In true Toronto fashion, it was discovered by accident. That's all coming up on Today in T.O. I know it might be a little early, but... This is our last hope. Santa, if you're out there, if you're listening to this podcast, first of all, what up? It's Danny. How are the elves? Mrs. Claus, she doing well? Great. Let's get down to business. I don't want much this year, and I know, you know, I know that I've been a very good girl. So if you can find it in your heart and in your giant sack, what I would love most of all is for the city of Toronto to get a new deal with the province. Just a little new deal, nothing fancy. I mean, you were here this weekend for the parade bearing your name, right? I'm sure you saw how unreliable the TTC can be, how congested the roads are, and how our infrastructure is crumbling right before our very eyes. I know you know that we're in the midst of a housing crisis and that Toronto is broke. Like, broke, broke. And I know maybe in the grand scheme of things, Toronto's had some bad actors this year. They haven't treated their most vulnerable citizens very well, hiring security to watch a fence in Kensington Market instead of using that money to maybe open the friggin' warming centers now. The city has been mismanaging their money. There's even been an extramarital affair, at least one that we know of. But Toronto is a place that's loved and enjoyed by many, whether you live here or not. And we need some help. We've lost our way. And I'm rambling again, Santa. So look, if you can spare us just a couple billion, maybe a little more over a three-year term, if you could do that, then I think it'll be a merrier Christmas. Okay, big guy. That's it for me. Love you forever. Sincerely, Danny. I've done what I can. Now, it's up to Santa. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. I got a response. A letter. That was fast. Okay, let me read. Quote, we are pleased to provide you with the Toronto, Ontario New Deal. Okay. Recognizing the needs to consider both longer-term sustainability of Toronto's finances, yes, and Ontario's fiscal capacity. All right. Okay, it goes on to say feds can't commit right now. All right, we kind of knew that already. Uh, Oh, here's a good part. The province has committed to funding capital and operating costs of the highways and will offer $300 million to the TTC. And there's more. Santa, you diabolical. You did it. What's that? Uh, 
oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. That, that wasn't Santa at all. Ooh, that was Premier Doug Ford. And it is a great morning, and I'm thrilled to be here today alongside Mayor Chow to announce that Toronto and Ontario have reached a historic new deal. A new deal that puts the city on the path to long-term financial sustainability through growth. Uh-oh, he glitched. Of course, I want to thank the mayor for her commitment and dedication to getting this deal done. It's amazing to see what we can accomplish when we work together, when we put our differences aside and focus on what unites us. So, Mayor, thank you so much. What unites us is being broke. The deal will provide the city with up to $1.2 billion in new operating supports over the next three years. This includes money to fund new homeless shelters and beds, to get more police officers patrolling the TTC to keep it safe, and to help bring the Finch West and Eglinton Crosstown projects online. Okay, he loves his police, but uh, what's this about the gardener and the DVP? These two highways... They move over 300,000 vehicles every single day. In fact, the DVP is the only expressway connecting the north and south ends of the city. These two highways are vital to the success of the province's economy. This deal will ensure that these critical transportation assets remain in good condition and keep people and goods moving for generations to come. So what this means is that the gardener will stay elevated, which is something Toronto Mayor Olivia Chow was pushing back against. But I'm not really mad about it because selfishly, there's just something I love about driving through the guts of the city while peeking into condos. Makes me feel like I'm in a weird snow globe. But does this mean that road tolls or congestion fees are coming? And let me be clear. This government will never, ever toll these highways. Now more than ever, drivers here in Toronto and across the GTA need relief, not more cost. Okay, fine. But what about housing? And I'm thrilled Toronto has agreed to meet or exceed its target to build more than 73,000 new homes by 2025, including by building way more density close to transit. Not only will this help bring the dream of home ownership into reach for more people, it will put the city on a path to receive hundreds of millions of dollars in funding through our Building Faster Fund. We're going to work together to find surplus government lands where we can quickly build affordable and attainable homes. All right, this sounds pretty, pretty good. There's got to be a catch. As part of this new deal, the city has accepted the province's authority to advance approvals for Ontario Place. Later today, our government will introduce new legislation for this new deal that will support a growing Toronto, help solve the city's deep financial challenges, and move forward important priorities like building homes, transit, and critical infrastructure. There it is. The city is backing down on their fight against the province's Ontario Place plans. But... There is talk of moving the parking lot portion to Exhibition Place instead. Here is Mayor Olivia Chow. The land belongs to the provincial government, and there are two other elements on this. Number one is that the possibility that we could move the parking lot to the X place, which is uh, something that uh, we will negotiate because it would open up more public space on the waterfront. The second piece of it is the sign center. Now, when Ford was asked about moving the parking lot, he dipped and he did dodge. 
Let's just put this into perspective. Ontario Place out of this whole deal is about that big. And the whole deal is about that big. We're talking about uploading the gardener and the DVP. This is a massive, massive deal to take the burden off the, the people and the taxpayers of, of Toronto. Yes, this does take the burden off the taxpayers and maybe more importantly, the heat off the province. But there is more to this Ontario Place portion of the deal. Here is Global News Queen's Park Bureau Chief Colin DeMello. The legislation that it's tabled would essentially exclude Ontario Place from environmental assessments from the Ontario Heritage Act. And it would give the Minister of Infrastructure, Kinga Surma, the ability to issue ministers zoning orders so she can essentially change the zoning at Ontario Place to turn it into whatever the province deems it to be. Okay, that frightens me. I'm not going to lie. This 95-year lease has been given to Megaspa Therm. They're set to get underway with construction fairly soon, uh, perhaps in 2024, 2025. This seems to have cleared all of the hurdles and the stumbling blocks to get Ontario Place redeveloped. And you could see from what the premiers talked about it, Ontario Place is the premier's crown jewel. And nobody better touch the premier's crown jewels. Look, with the good comes the annoying... And you know what they say, beggars can't be choosers. However, I think that might be an outdated term. Moving on for now. Sometimes to cut through the noise, you've got to have a gimmick. And maybe it's not so much of a gimmick, but more of a gift. On the way, you'll hear from Toronto's only licensed realtor who is also a psychic. He'll work out a deal on your next home and he'll exercise the demons. Stick around. That's coming up after this. Look, I get that the real estate market right now is, in a word, chaotic and also scary. In Toronto, there are approximately 48,000 realtors who belong to the city's real estate board, and that's grown from 34,000 in 2012. I can count on both hands, people I know, friends, acquaintances, who got their real estate licenses in the past three, four years, and they seem to be doing really well for themselves as far as I can tell. But I know it can be cutthroat, it can be competitive, it can be long hours, weekends, and evenings. And so it's helpful if you also have something that can cut through the noise, like a, a podcast? No, 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 not a podcast. Uh, a gimmick or perhaps a gift. Larry Medina is a realtor in Toronto, but he's not a regular realtor. He has psychic abilities. Not to predict how the market will go or anything like that. He's able to identify spirits and he's able to give energy readings of properties. And if necessary, he's able to clear any, let's call them past tenants who may be overstaying their welcome. A lot of homes in Toronto, especially, they're old, right? So um, a lot of them have, have feelings, they have energy. And um, it's not only me, like... My clients also feel, right? Like they have an intuition, they have a gut, they feel creepy, they feel like, you know, something is lurking, something is lo like staring at them. Um, I am just helping them navigate exactly what that feeling, what that energy looks like. Not going to lie, I'm a little on the fence with this, but I do love the idea 
that homes have feelings. And when I think about how much I have loved the places that I have lived, I could see wanting to maybe hang around to make sure that the new and alive residents know that to get the door open, you've got to jiggle the handle just a little. And quickly, when I was younger, I believe I lived in a house that was occupied by spirits, not scary ones or anything. In fact, I never felt scared in this house at all. And there were a few creepy corners. But this is all to say that I think there is potential for spirits to exist. And of course, they need places to live too. But for Larry, how did this all start? Uh, Let's go back to when I was five years old and um, ghosts were kind of, you know, trying to connect with me. And of course, they freaked me out. And I was like, I don't want any part of this. Um, And then finally, I had to accept um, this is part of part of my journey. Uh, A difficult thing to do, by the way, you know, it's not anything like I woke up one day and said, I want to do this. (laughs) So that's how it started. But Larry didn't get into real estate with this in mind. It just kind of happened with one of my clients. Her deceased son popped up in one of our showings and was like, I have a message for mommy. And I was like, "Um, yeah, no, I, I don't. Not right now. And like eventually he just kept like, this is important. She needs to hear what I have to say. And I skeptical, like I was skeptical of how she would react. And I just said, look, listen, your deceased son has a message for you. Do you want to receive it? And she just started crying and received the message as it came to me. And, um, and that's how it happened. And from there? So she, re- she referred me to other people that thought they would use my service. And that's kind of how I became a psychic realtor. So Larry has actually been to a psychic school. They exist and has honed his skills in this particular area. And there are a handful of realtors across North America who provide these psychic services. And believe it or not. Oh, sorry. No, that was supposed to be the end of the sentence. Believe it or not. If someone decides to sell, I can clear that energy before we list it. So when buyers come in, you know, like all they feel is the love and support the home has. Right. And same with a buyer. We walk in and it's clean energy. Um, If there's any if there's anything funny or lurking going on and they end up loving the home, I go ahead and clear that for them. How does he clear the spirits? Truly, I just connect and hold space for them to come in and clear what they need to clear. So there's often transitioning that happens, you know, stubborn ghosts that think they're still alive, that they're dead. Like there's some realizations that that's not very clear. So I hold space and energy for my team to go ahead and, you know, have a little spiritual, have a one-on-one chat with those spirits. Why the hell not? That was Larry Medina, Toronto's only psychic realtor. For now. And speaking of old houses, things are not always as they seem. And that goes for a small, unassuming home on Broadview Avenue that is considered to be the oldest in the city. And in true Toronto fashion, this was discovered by accident. For more on the John Cox Cottage, here is producer Glenn Bergonier. 
I, I just need to correct one thing here, Danny. It's really important to point out that this is the oldest building that we have found in Toronto so far. But it actually might not be the last one we'll find. And that does not even mean that this is the oldest building in Toronto. You confused at all yet? Well, let me explain and clarify it. Like Danny said just moments ago, the reason we found this house was actually a happy accident. In the 90s, the owner of the property wanted some electrical work done on the house, so an electrician was called. It wasn't the fact that the building was built at an odd angle compared to the rest of the neighborhood, or that it had a very unusual eclectic design that gave anything away. Instead, it was when the electrician had to get inside one of the walls and discovered that instead of brick, which is what every other house in the neighborhood was made of, it was made of wood, old wood at that. So after some historical digging and other research, it was discovered that this house previously belonged to British loyalist John Cox, who was gifted this property back in 1796 with a couple hundred acres of land just east of the Don River. John wanted his house to face directly south so he could have that perfect view of the lake, which is why that one plot of land is slightly askew compared to its surrounding neighbors. And then over the years, there were some expansions and updates made to the property, including repositioning the front of the house to actually face west instead of south, but not fixing that off angle. It is believed by historians and other experts that the original log house was built no later than 1807, which, if that is true, makes it the second or third oldest structure in the city and possibly the oldest house. Since this property was basically hiding in plain sight, it's actually hard to determine if there are any more like it kind of scattered and hidden throughout the city that we just haven't found yet. Going back to what Danny said in the beginning, in a true Toronto fashion, we have rediscovered this relic of the past purely by accident. But one thing that this does prove is that Toronto still has potentially centuries worth of secrets, treasures, and stories to offer all of us, even when we think we found them all. I kind of love the idea that homes have feelings. I mean, if my walls could talk, they'd probably say something like, uh, hello, would it kill you to slap some paint on me? And why is it so drafty in here all the time? Shh, walls, say less. This podcast is brought to you by 640 Toronto and features audio from shows across the Chorus Entertainment Network. I'm Danny Stover. Today in TO is produced by me, Glenn Bergonier, and David Spargala. Chris Dunner and Andrew Dernford are advisors to the show. We release brand new episodes every single Wednesday, so I hope you have a well-balanced week, and we'll chat again real soon. Bye for now. Bye.